The views we have of the rest of the world are often shaped by impressions we get from what we watch on TV or what we read in the paper or, perhaps like now, what you hear on the radio. What you see on TV can suggest that the world is a dangerous place and you should just stay home. Or it can inspire you to explore more of the world on your own. We're joined now by two European media professionals to help assess how local media can impact the way people in different countries might view the world. Susie Miller files news reports for BBC Ulster in Belfast. And Holger Zimmer works for the independent regional public broadcasting organization in Berlin. Holger and Susie, it's clear to me that media really has a huge impact on how Americans see the rest of the world. How, how do you see media impacting the way people in Britain or in Germany see the rest of the world? And what are challenges for you as journalists, Holger? Yeah, maybe just a good example would be now the debate we have about the euro as a currency, the European Union, where we're going to go with it. And basically, like, you know, in the last kind of months and, and years even, we have seen kind of a resurgence of media telling stories kind of very much in a nationalistic way. Like, for example, you'd have in Germany to have media telling us about like, oh, the bad Greek person, you know, and how they're wasting our money. And in Greece, you would have someone else basically telling like how bad the Germans are now kind of back to the kind of Second Reich days. And that's kind of something I find very disturbing and very discomforting. So I think when it comes to European perspective, we really have to remind ourselves that, you know, the European Union does have a lot to offer. We have to kind of really try to find what are the ways that really actually connect us. And that's something that media really has to be really careful about. So media has such power and it can be abused and it can make something that is not perfect, but generally positive, actually easy to tear apart and demonized. Demonize it when you, when you really go along nationalistic stereotypes. This nationalism in media, what power is that? Is that because wealthy uh, organizations or people own the media, or is it because media is commercial, it has to be sensational, and that'll sell more ads? Well, in general, because like it's so much easier to tell a simplistic story right. than to tell a story behind a story, really. And I think that's what we're facing pretty much these days. When it comes to Europe, let's be clear about what is going on and not point the finger. Things are complicated, and, and you mentioned uh, it's hard to tell the whole story. Do you find that the attention span for a journalist, uh, you're dealing with people with a shorter attention span or a longer attention span as the years go by? I think that kind of varies. It probably is that people tend to read kind of more like, you know, just a, the short paragraph rather than the, the big story. But in general, I think people really do want good information and in-depth information, not just like the big headlines. Okay, so that's that's encouraging from a point of view of how can the German public understand these complicated issues. Yeah. Susie, in Britain uh, with the BBC and so on, is there pressure to make things shorter and more snappy because people have less attention spans and, and they need to have that variety? Or is there a patience and an interest in really getting to the depth of things? I feel that that still is the case, that there's a patience there, that, that people are prepared to sit down at 6 o'clock or 10 o'clock at night and watch a good half hour of news. And the breadth of that news can take you all over the world. It's not just mm -hmm. uh, UK, it, it's all over the world. Okay, yeah, maybe in the commercial sector there is what they would call a dumbing down, that it's more snappy, more sound bites. Mm -hmm. But overall, and thinking about newspapers as well, I think that people are still very keen to be informed and to be properly informed. Is that partially because you live in a BBC public broadcasting sort of world and that's what, what you believe in? Or, or is that, would you say, a fair assessment that Britain still does have uh, an appetite for longer coverage? I think that that's Britain-wide. Uh, you mm -hmm. know, people will pick up a, a morning newspaper or, or look at a, a newspaper online 
as a matter of habit. And then throughout the day, they'll be, you know, they'll have the car radio on and they'll, they'll always be looking for what's happening, what's the latest, what's going okay, on, what's so David Cameron know what's said. Happening. Yeah. Now, in my, my experience here in the United States is that news recently has become more entertainment than news. And it has to be more hysterical and everything is a crisis and a war because that sells more ads. And if you have a commercial environment, you've got to make it exciting because more people listen and then you can charge more for the ads. And to me, that makes media kind of a, a threat to a better understanding, and media is supposed to teach a better understanding. Holger, do you feel this dynamic at all in Germany? Well, the dynamic might be there in the commercial sector, but in general, I think we still we, we agree on that, uh, Susie. I think that mm-hmm. there still is a good line drawn between what is news and presented as news, hard facts, uh, opinion, and then the other sector might be entertainment. That's another part of the story, but not really. If I go and, and you know turn on the Tagesschau, which is like the daily 8 o'clock, news TV that like basically every every German watches. It's not entertainment, day. it's news. That is news and this is what you're going to get and there is no no really crossing that line as yet and I'm really happy about that. The only crossover I guess would be maybe news about the royal family. Some people don't think that's news at all but you know people are interested and that's what happens. It certainly it? sells newspapers. It, it really does and that whole idea of celebrity culture and what people are up to in the public eye, you know that there are lines to be crossed there but in the main I think that uh, British media really sets the standard on here's what's happening uh, without saying, look, this is the right or wrong way of it, just clearly setting out the facts. Now, when I go to England, I'm noticing there's newspapers and there's newspapers. There's there's very two clearly different kinds of newspapers. Can you explain that? Yeah, you have the tabloids, uh, which are, are the smaller newspapers, and the best-selling newspaper in the UK is The Sun, which is a, a fairly, you know, low-brow paper, but, you know, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. It's fine. And it goes right the way through to the Financial Times, pretty much. And it's up to you what paper you grab, uh, whatever gives you your news in in whatever format you want. But, uh, you know, it's so interesting that a lot of them will have the same features or the same headlines on their front page, just told in a completely different way. Designed for a different market segment. Exactly, yes. uh Somebody who wants a buxom, topless woman on page two and somebody who doesn't. (laughs) Well, actually, that's a subject for debate. That uh, The buxom lady that you talked about, they're trying to get rid of that, just in the, the, the spirit of, of moving onwards. But, you know, it sells a lot of papers. It's, it's, kind of, it's amazingly trashy to me, but it's entertainment for a lot of your market. Every construction worker's white van will have one of those in their front windscreen. Holger, is the same sort of thing in print media in Germany? Well, that also there is like tabloids and there is kind of like more, let's say, serious kind of papers. But what really kind of strikes me when talking about Europe and maybe America, that we have to really consider that Europe, like we all kind of next to each other. Like mm-hmm. Germany, for example, is right in the middle of things. And like we have like so many neighbors. There's France and there's Denmark in the north and there's all these uh, countries in the south, Switzerland, Austria, whatever, small or big, like in Poland to the east, for example. So... For us, news about foreign countries, Auslandsberichterstattung, as we call it, like be informed about what's going on in other countries is very, very vital and important, not just because we think like, hey, let's have a look what they're doing, but it is like really important to economy, social, political issues. And that is a broad segment, actually, that we're going to get. So I'm really happy that we still have this broad coverage, be it in public broadcasting or in newspapers, like two or three pages full-time happenings all over the world, basically, and that's important to us. I think that is a fundamental difference in media between Europe and the United States. We're interested what's going on in Poland if it impacts us or what's going on in Norway or Ireland or Spain or Mexico. But if it just is within that country, nobody will read it here, and then there's a disincentive for anybody to talk about it. But you're saying in Europe, 
if it's happening in Poland yes. and if it's important to the Poles, we're it's important to the about Germans. elections. We're concerned about like what's the kind of economy doing, what's the income wise, what's the topics they talk about. And I think there's one thing like, of course, media also in Europe run along national lines. Yes, I have French papers who write in French. I have German papers and stuff. So that's people, of course, they go first to that media. Susie, we were just talking in Germany how there's a more genuine interest in what's going on in the other neighboring countries, and in part because Germany is embedded in that. Mm-hmm. You know, the United States is separated by a whole ocean from that, and Britain is separated by the English Channel from that. Yes. Do you find you're somewhere between Germany and America that way, or are you just as enthusiastic about knowing what's important to Spanish people, even if it doesn't impact directly British people? I think it extends beyond the European borders, really. You know, Britain right, having sure. having this empire from way back, <laughs> which is all gone now, obviously. Yeah. But, yeah, they're interested in what's happening in Africa. They're interested in what's happening in Australia and Asian countries. And obviously, you know, being one of the G8, yeah. uh, there's an interest in, in the big powers there. I find that a German normal guy on the street would be more inclined to have that aggressive approach to what's going on in the rest of the world, yeah. more than a Brit Definitely. And, and much more than an American. Definitely, I think, yes. So. Uh-huh. You know, I, I think it's it's just to, to do with our splendid isolation policy, yeah. maybe, or, um, you know, but, we, we yeah. were interested when, when the, the borders were coming down and, and you know, oh, free yeah. movement within Europe. Uh, one paper in particular in the UK was very keen to scaremonger about all these people who would be arriving in from Romania and Bulgaria and taking all the oh, jobs. So that would be bringing in a little bit of scaremongering oh, and yeah. you're competing with what's going on with Prince William. Yes, exactly. Yes, so you have the, the full gamut there. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We're speaking with Holger Zimmer and Susie Miller about media, media in Europe and media in America. Holger and Susie, you're traveling in the United States now and you're a professional journalist in Germany and in Britain. What's your take on media in America as you travel around? Uh, because you would have an insight into it as your your professionals in that. My first comment would be, where is the international news? You know, you turn on a TV news bulletin and, and it's all America, America, America. Absolutely. There's a lot happening in the rest of the world. And, you know, maybe it might be an idea that people knew about it. It's the same in, in papers. You know, you have your metro section and your U.S. section and then what? Nothing else. There's we're 4% a... of the planet, but uh, that's <laughs> is there a little bit more? Yeah. Yeah, you know, look beyond the shores a little. But that's driven by what our consuming audience finds interesting, I think. Are you saying in Britain that people are interested in more things outside of Britain? I, I, yeah. I would disagree because, like, in general, people are interested in what is going on. It's just a matter of, like... Do, do you present it to them or do you just say, listen, mm. you can be content with like the local sex and crime scene and the murder around the corner in your backyard. If that's what it is, then that's what you're getting. But I think in general, people want to know, people okay. like to find out what is going on, not just kind of like here in whatever Saratoga or Oklahoma, but really like, let's say, I mean, Europe is not just a small little thing. It's right there. There is, of course, even like in, in Germany and Europe, an imbalance about like what do we actually know about Asia? What do we really know about Africa? Mm-hmm. Yes, we are kind of Eurocentric in that way. So I mm-hmm. can understand the perspective. America is such a big country. And yes, you want to firstly know what's going on right here. But uh, care to venture around, you know, beyond these shores and you're really going to be rewarded. So I'm, I'm here with Susie that I think there could be a little more, you know, a little one or two pages more of really international news. And you know what's going on. Now, there's something also that I notice about a trend in American media lately and commercial media is media is catering to liberal people or conservative people. It's just if you want to be viable and sell advertisements and pay for your your crew, 
you got to have a big audience, and what works is media that makes liberals happy and media that makes conservative people happy. Mm -hmm. uh, do you notice that from your perspective, Holger, in, in Germany? Yes and no. It's really much broader for us. Yes, of course, you have a newspaper in Germany that is more conservative, and everyone knows it, maybe buys it because of that. And we have other papers or stations that are more, let's say, liberal or maybe left-wing. But in general, I think even in a special section of the media, you'd find much broader views. Like I pick up the FAZ, Frankfurter Allgemeine Zeitung, which has the air of being like kind of like a, the newspaper of the conservative right-wing sort of thing. And I think like interesting, like it really is not just one color there. You get many different colors. And I think that is different and that's quite viable and quite healthy that way. Susie, how about in Britain? Yeah, same sort of thing. You know, you pick your paper depending on, on what you want to, uh, how you want to read it. Uh, the Guardian, the Independent, very progressive. And people know that. Those lines are very, very clear. If you're a bit more conservative, it seems to be once you reach the age of about 60, you switch to the Daily Mail or the Daily Telegraph, which is just going to have a very straight down the line government spin on things. Not going to ruffle your feathers or get exactly. you out of your comfort zone. That, that doesn't mean to say they won't investigate stuff. Sure, they mm. will. But uh, their overall tone will, will be nice and uh, mild, let's say. Holger and Susie, you both work in public broadcasting, and I work in public broadcasting. You know, our show is primarily a public radio show, and I spend a lot of time in pledge drives. Do you know what a pledge drive is? I yeah. just basically heard about it. We don't really deal in that so much because we're basically licensed, financed through license fees. And that's something that I'm really happy about. Really, that is something that is very important. And I think the majority of the people understand it and like it because they know what, like, the small amount of money, maybe it's like 20 euros a month or something, they will get, it's less than that, actually, they will get high-quality broadcasting with, like, a broad perspective. You got plenty of commercial oh, yes. media. You got any kind of media you want. But one place on the dial is publicly funded, and you don't have pledge drives. Yes. Wow. And Susie, what's the situation for BBC? Same thing with the BBC. You pay a license fee. It's about £200 a year, and that guarantees you they now have four channels on four BBC. Four channels. And radio, are, too? And radio, yes. So uh, if, if, you take a, if you take a TV home and plug it in, you've got that. If you want to not have any media, you don't pay it, or does everybody pay it, whether they like it or for not? For us, we just change in Germany, so now every single household has to pay. It's not person per person anymore, oh, really? but a household, regardless of what they have, regardless whether they have a computer or not, so... So Some people dispute it, but in general, really, the majority says, yeah, that's okay. I mean, we're in it, and we know what we're getting. Really, as, as Susie said, it's not just kind of one channel or one radio. Like in Berlin alone, we have about five or six different radio waves publicly funded. We have a, a TV, and then, of course, the nationwide TV. There's two more national kind of really news and culture channels that are there and publicly funded. And I think that is really, that is a merit. That is something we should cherish. You both work for public broadcasting in both of your countries. You've never had to do a pledge drive. No. And in your country, generally people, it's just you pay taxes and your country's going to offer a lot of things. It's going to offer infrastructure on the roads. It's going to offer education. It's going to offer military defense. And healthcare. it's going to offer health care and public media. Now, my thinking when I'm in Germany is you have had quite a lot of hard lessons in the last hundred years and you need to have a smart electorate. And I've got this sense that the government of Germany wants its electorate, the people who vote, to not be dumbed down but to be smarted up. And I've noticed that the German government actually works to have smarter citizens. Is that just uh, my imagination? Or in Germany, do you sense that the government is interested in 
investing in the savviness of the public politically. <laughs> yeah, it's nicely put, investing in the savviness of the public. I think in general we have this this idea that like good, high quality and very much in-depth information is vital to a democracy. Like, and I think that's not just you know, Germany, like it's not just, wow, we know you've got to learn a lesson. You know, maybe it mm -hmm. is. Susie, I have just enjoyed watching two marvelous and very expensive productions. One was called Planet Earth and the other is called Rome. Yeah. And uh, Planet Earth was paid for by BBC, I believe, and Rome yes. was a partnership with HBO and BBC. And looking at those productions, I thought, how could anybody produce this? It's so gorgeous and so expensive. And thank goodness the British people paid the taxes so I could watch this thing. I mean, it was, it was a great thing. Do you have a sense of that in Britain, that the BBC is sort of um, providing a service that way? We do. We're very lucky. And I think people do appreciate uh, the production values within uh, the BBC. But bear in mind, you know, that that is uh, something which is going to come back for them because they can sell those programs. The fact that you were able to watch I, them. I paid good money for exactly. it and I've got it proudly on my bookshelf and I'm sure BBC owns the rights to that. Yes. Uh -huh. So that they have a commercial arm, even though they're, they're public broadcasting, they're making such beautiful programs that they can sell them around the world. And the other issue about it is that uh, the license fee used to be raised when you went into a store and bought a TV. You were automatically then signing right. up for the license. How many people now don't watch TV on a TV? They're watching it on their iPads. They're watching it on their desktops. So there needs to be a new way sorted out so that people aren't getting that system for free. Yeah, that's why Germany has changed basically to really like every household got to pay regardless whether they own anything. Oh, that like was driven any by this or, whole digital media yes. revolution. Yes. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We've been talking about media, public, commercial, European, and American. And we've been joined by Susie Miller, who works for the BBC in Belfast, and Holger Zimmer, who works for the German Public Broadcasting Network in Berlin. Susie and Holger, thank you so much. Thank you. Vielen Dank. Rick's weekly one-hour radio program, Travel with Rick Steves, airs in more than 130 cities across the country. Help yourself to free podcasts of past shows and Rick's audio tours of Europe's greatest sites in the radio section of our website. For the latest on Rick's radio and TV work, his guidebooks and his European tours with small groups, visit ricksteves.com. <laughs>